In this particular episode, I would like to introduce Jackie Scammell. Welcome, Jackie. Hey, Justin. Great to see you. Super excited to have you as part of AXPA, first of all. So thank you for coming on board. Um, you are known as Australia's leading customer service expert. And for anyone who's ever interacted with you, I think that comes through in spades, right? So we'll certainly get a taste of that uh, in this episode. But um, I really wanted people to get to, to, I guess, have an opportunity to learn a bit of insight about you and your career. And, and I guess just show everyone just how amazing the opportunities are uh, in this industry, because if anyone has made the most of it, uh, it's someone like yourself. So uh, thank you for coming on and, and, and uh, offering to bear all, should I say, in a, in a professional sense. So I'm going to cast you way back when, Jackie. It's probably a long time ago, although these things go in a bit of a blink of an eye, don't they, sometimes? <laughs> but you, like I guess many people, started their career in good old Maccas. Right? Like I was just reflecting, that's 30 years ago, Justin, to the month. <laughs> Amazing, right? <laughs> Incredible. So, uh, I'm probably going to give away my age now, but yes, the moment I was legally able to work, which was 14 years and nine months, I was marching into my local McDonald's store in Port Macquarie, New South Wales, here in Australia, and um, I just couldn't wait to work. And of course, what a back in the you know, this is back in the 80s. What a, what a wonderful training ground to learn the basics and fundamentals of business. But of course, the sweet surprise for me was that this was where I fell in love with service. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it just, I think as a, as a young teenager, you, you, you're so open-minded and you're so curious and the world's ahead of you and you're going through high school and you, you know, you're making friends and then you, get, you, you, you fall into a workplace like McDonald's where the, the training was so, um, so disciplined and you were, you were held accountable at such a young age, but you also understood really early on how you added value and how you contributed to the success of a $1,000 rush hour or a $2,000 drive-through hour. And, um, and I think when, you, when that stuff gets underneath your skin, you start to see how making other people happy through a cheeseburger and French fries and a smile <laughs> um, has actually a benefit commercially. Yeah. Um, and you know, from a business performance point of view. And and, and the, the surprise that I did get from my first few days of McDonald's was um, I didn't realise the benefits that I would get as a young girl growing up. And um, I'm really pleased to share some of that with everyone today because it was really that that journey 30 years ago that, that set me up for some incredible learning as, as a human, as an adult. And I'd love to share some of that with, with um, all of our listeners and viewers today. I have no doubt they are absolutely hanging on everywhere that you're speaking about because you know, not only did you start there, you've, you've actually ended up in a career that has enabled you to work globally at some iconic places like Wembley Stadium as an example and, and you've now sort of been running your own business for around 10 years. You've published three books, you've got a fourth on the way. If anyone's made a career of customer service, it's you, right? So so, so Maccas is a good grounding and I guess there's lots of kids today that are still going through that grounding in, in, in McDonald's and I know they're doing it uh, really tough trying to find staff like so many other businesses at the moment right so but what were your key takeaways you mentioned a couple of them um there um is there any other thought of big standouts that you had from from the maca days yeah so i think you know it this certainly formed in those early days and then i sort of see it on the journey um as as i worked in other places like major stadiums and events at, at wembley and emirates and then close to home here at the australian open with the um the australian tennis but what I learned very early on was that 
when you serve humans, you actually learn a lot about yourself. And so you learn a lot about um, the way you're perceived, the way people experience you. You learn a lot about your own triggers, your own, um, your own levels of um, resilience, if you like. Um, but you also learn how to impress people, how to um, influence, how to um, take a bad situation and make it a little bit better. And so, and, I, and these are big macro sort of concepts, but when you break those macro concepts down, what I'm talking about are the, the 101 soft skills of customer service, you know? Um, and th there's that beautiful saying that um, every, every human being you meet is either a lesson or a reflection. And what I learned early on was that um, I always had something to learn at the end of a shift. Not so much about the product I was selling or, um, you know, something tangible, but something about humans, human behaviour. And, and I've got to say, Justin, I've literally got thousands of customers to thank for the person that I am today. And if people are listening to this or watching this and they have a love of learning, if they are curious about, you know, developing themselves personally and professionally, and they really want to grow into you know, a, a better human than yesterday and just keep, you know, having a full life full of amazing experiences where they get to learn about themselves more, then customer service is like a no-brainer. Like it's one of the most incredible uh, job skills for life in my view. And, you know, I'm not surprised, you know, here I am 10 years now running my own business the customer service skills I learned at McDonald's and major stadiums and events, um, both in the private and public sector, frontline and in leadership, I'm bringing all of that now into my own business as a CEO, as a leader, as a, um, as a speaker, as someone that is influencing um, a topic here in Australia. And, you know, it's not rocket science. This is the, the wisdom comes from serving, the nobility of what I write in my books and what I say on stage comes from those experiences, not from going to uni. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. comes from those experiences. And I think there's so much to be said for that, you know? And speaking about experiences, let's just dive into to some of yours because you, you, you spent, what, seven years at, at Macca's? Did you, was that ended up as a full-time, yeah. started part-time, ends up full-time? Did you end up running the store, running the area? What, what was your, what did you get to at Macca's? Yeah, well, you're right. Like it was, um, I was presented an option when I graduated in, um, at 17 years of age to either go and do a performing arts degree because I loved music and drama um, or... I was offered a full-time management job running the store. And um, I've got my Maccas. Wow. Yeah, and back then they, they, they put you through a really strong um, leadership program. Um, there was various diplomas that you – it was all on the ground learning. The head office was in Sydney. Um, but you know, for me, that was that was what that was what I was searching searching for and seeking was that opportunity to learn those skills that have really set up a strong foundation. Um, but I've got to say, I still bring my performing arts in because sometimes service is a bit of a performance, right? Well, I was just going to say, there's a bit of because uh, there is some correlation between the two there. So, yeah. um, so so you leave Macca's and you, but you stick to the hospitality path, I guess, um, and that got you to the Sydney Convention and Exhibition Centre. Was that sort of your, uh, you know, did you was that a role that you saw and applied for? Were you tapped on the shoulder? How did you sort of start mm -hmm. to go down that path? 
Yeah, well, leaving McDonald's was a big step, but it was also about leaving my small town and going to the big smoke. And so I was ready to sort of put my big girl's pants on, so to speak, and move to the city. And um, it was just, it was the year before the Sydney Olympics and um, I could see an opportunity there um, in a a major environment, the Sydney Convention Exhibition Centre. And I thought, no, it's time for me to go and try something different. And that really then was the beginning of my um, major stadium and um, sports events type career, which really set me up for quite some time where, as as you said, I got to go and do some incredible work in different places. But stadiums and major events are, um, are really exciting places to work in. And the commonality between that and McDonald's is you're, um, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people mm-hmm. all the time. So it's about managing crowds, managing the flow of that and serving literally hundreds of people in a day. Um, yep. And so I had, I had that sort of already under you know, un- under my skin and I knew that, that I was, I liked the rush of that. I liked the, the change and variety of serving lots of people all day, but it was just a different environment, you know? Yeah, and I guess there's, there's no bigger challenge when you think of, you know, iconic sporting stadiums, you know, aside from the MCG, of course, uh, for our <laughs> Melbourne listeners, uh, you know, Wembley would be right up there, right? So I guess the opportunity to to be the head of, you know, hospitality and the corporate suites as well, right? Where you're dealing with the top end of town who have very high expectations, having been lucky enough to sneak into a couple of boxes along the way. Um, you know, that is, is that is at the pinnacle of service. So, you know, as you said, everything probably culminated to getting into that level. Did you feel when you started that job that you were you were ready to go or was it thrown in and going, oh my God, what do I do? No, no way. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I was like late 20s by the time I hit Wembley and, um, you know, over in England, I was exposed to things like butler service and um you know one of the corporate suites was the beckham box and then there was the chelsea box and i was like this was blowing my mind it was like a whole different world but Mm, again mm. if you keep things simple and and people who know me know that this is one of my philosophies at the end of the day it doesn't matter whether you're serving a duchess and duke or whether you're serving a dad who's there with his kid to watch a game of footy most people want the same things you know and so um really the the beauty of my career was that I kept being reminded, albeit I was in these different environments, that whether you're serving a cheeseburger or or a a five-star, you know, um, butler, (laughs) uh, degustation, you know, fine dining, Chateau Neuf de Pape red wine, doesn't matter what you're serving, people still want some fundamentals. And that comes right back to my IP and and what I teach, which is just make people feel seen, make them feel like they, that, that you, they're heard and make them feel like they're really important. And I've had the privilege, you know, at, it, both at Wembley, but when I came back here to Melbourne Park, serving lots of celebrities, you know, um, all the time. And I never got starstruck. I never really freaked out about who I was serving, although I did love serving Pink because she's, she's an awesome <laughs> I a bit rattled when I serve her. But then again, they're just a human that just has needs and right now your job is to be a professional and serve those needs and i think that's why mindset is so critical with this job role because when we get out of our way and we sort of almost shrink our ego a little bit and just turn the voice of our ego down a little bit you you can make anyone feel special and uh, not get caught up in who they are and what they need just come back to some basic human principles and that's why i love this work because it keeps me grounded um and it also it it keeps me um 
real, you know, like don't, don't yeah. get caught up in it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you know, as you said, a lot of it just comes down to the basics, right? But, and, and I was almost going to fall into the trap of saying it's not rocket science because technically it's probably not, but you know, the reality is most people, and it seems to be more and more these days, don't know what to do, right? They're not actually taught these soft skills, right? Um, and I don't want to jump too far ahead because we'll talk yep. about you know your service queue business shortly, but um, we'll, we'll go from the corporate hospitality suites and, and get back with that vein because you then came back to Australia, as you said, went to Tennis Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess probably a similar concept of major sporting events, you know, the, uh, the Open, etc. But those fundamentals, uh, I guess this time when you, when you first sort of imagined yourself going to Wembley, and as you said, all these things you had to wrap your head around that you hadn't heard of, when you did go to Melbourne, did you feel much better prepared at that yes. point? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and <laughs> um, you know, you, as your career grows, you, you know, there's there's another level up, and there's a higher expectation of what you're going to bring. And and I think this is this is really the correlation now of service and leadership. You know, it feels relevant to bring this point in at, at this point of our conversation. You know. There's one thing to to be good at serving a human being um, at the front line, but then, you know, when we're leaders, we're asked to do uh, uh, so much. But again, I like to keep it simple. Um, and so for me, leading was all about still service. It was about how do I serve my team now? You know, how do I really take care of, you know, when I came back from England, I was handed the keys to um, a contract which at the time had 40 full-time employees. I'd just turned 30 um, and we had at our peak about 2,500 staff back then. Um, And this was just in the hospitality contract space. And for a 30-year-old, that was quite overwhelming, you know. Mm -hmm. It um, it felt like a lot of responsibility and and I um, I felt the pressure of that. But I had some fantastic mentors around me. I had some great people to keep me again grounded and remind me what I was here to do. And um, this is where service and leadership are just so intertwined because leaders are there to serve their people. And the more we can serve our people, if it's a full-time team of 40 or 400 or 4,000, if we can care for them, then we've got to trust that they'll care for our customers, you know, and that there's there's this ripple effect. So I always felt, even when I was, you know, the general manager and I was in a significant leadership role, I always still felt that my job was to serve. It's just that my my customer became a little bit different, you know. Yep. Um, yep. And I think that's a really helpful lens for, for any leader of any size team. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously leadership with customer service comes with its challenges, as you no, no doubt know, particularly with large teams. And it seems that often, you know, it's the interaction of one that often takes up a lot of your time, right? Yeah, the, the uh, someone you know, spilled a drink in the Beckham box, or someone uh, did something wrong with the, one of the, the VIP customers, etc. Yet, you know, you get ninety nine percent of things right. How, how do you, as a as a leader, deal with those sorts of situations? Yeah. So we, you know, you're spot on. Like it only takes one person in the business to have a bad day, right? And like it or not, how how the customer feels about that one interaction with one employee is often how they feel about the brand or the company itself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, each person, no matter how big the team is, is the company. Each individual is the company. And so it's up to leaders to remind each individual that they are the company, but also inspire and reinvigorate them so that they feel that they're adding value to the whole. the, the challenge is the bigger the company is, the harder it is sometimes to see your value or your contribution. 
But what I will say about, you know, if you're in a leadership role and you're, you're, you're noticing the poor performers or the ones that are, um, I guess, letting the team down, one of the quickest ways to address that is to focus on um, what is already strong within the team and what is already working. And so um, a, a valuable leadership lesson I learned very early on, in fact, in my Delaware North days when I was running the Melbourne Park contract, was to spend more time with my high performance. And by doing that, and it does feel a bit counterintuitive, right? Because when you think someone's not performing, you need, you feel like you've got to put all your time and energy into them. But in actual fact, the reverse is true. We spend more time with our high performers and the ones that are really playing to their strengths and strong. And we do that in a way that elevates the people around them that might be struggling or might not be doing so well by reinforcing this is what good looks like. This is what good looks like. And this, and we reward these people by giving them more of our time. And that was a very valuable lesson for me because I, I learned that when I wasn't spending time with high performers, I was ignoring them because I was like, they've got it. I don't need to worry about them. They're, they're fine. I need to spend all my time over here and fix this. But in actual fact, that's not an effective way of taking a team on a journey. And so um, one of the one of the habits that we teach um, in my business, which we'll get to, is 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 praise effectively, and I think that praising the good as much as you can is actually a way of addressing the poor performance. Yeah, there you go. Some good leadership tips there for everyone who's listening, as well as Jackie's journey. Um, I completely agree with everything that you've said. Um, so you've been leading some big teams. Obviously, I, I really love the way you just always keep it simple. I, I just think there's something to be said for that, right? We, yeah. we often overcomplicate things. So well done. Um, you, you have a couple more uh, goes at the corporate life. You, you left Melbourne, uh, Melbourne Olympic Parks, uh, went out to Spotless and then back yeah. to Tennis Australia for, for a bit as yeah. well. Um, but then ultimately, you, you end up launching your own business around around 10 years ago, Service Q. Um, talk to me, I guess, about some of your motivations for, uh, for going out on your own, because it's a big step for anyone to take, particularly when they've worked at some you know, big uh, corporates. I'm sure there was lots of offers and, and large dollars thrown at you to, uh, to take another senior role somewhere. So to sort of be brave and go, you know what? No, I'm doing this myself. Some would call you absolutely crazy, uh, <laughs> but you took the leap of faith. So what was, the, what was the driving motivation behind that one, Jackie? Oh, uh, you're, you're spot on. Like sometimes I think, what was really motivating me <laughs> um, but I, look I'm, I just don't think I'm good having a boss Justin <laughs> yeah. I think you know <laughs> I love autonomy I love independent I love being independent but I really love change and variety and I'm I'm a I'm a um uh, someone that seeks change and variety I need it and so being in one place um feels a bit limiting for me um, so that's sort of a little insight to some of my personal values and motivations. But, you know, one, one bit of advice I got given, which was around the time when I decided to leave the corporate career behind and take a huge leap of faith and start something from scratch in my mid-30s, you know, at the age 35, was this idea of, um, you know, how do you help people in a way that... Um, really lasts with them not just at work but at home and for me service does that you know the skills that um you and i talk about all the time justin are skills for life and they not only make you a better employee or worker they also make you a better dad a better mom a better friend a, be a, a better brother sister 
And so I wanted to play that game, you know, yep. and I think it's important for people who are watching this or listening who are still trying to work out what's their thing. Um, I didn't really know service was my thing. I knew I loved it and I knew that it was, I knew that I was good at it and I knew that it, I made it look easy and natural, but you know, the secret is that it's a lot of learned behavior that over time makes it look easy and natural. Yep. Um, but I, it wasn't until I, I decided to leave the corporate world that it got really clear for me. Actually, it's not a particular industry or a particular market or a particular product that I really love. It's actually service. And a, and a mentor of mine once said to me, if you are, if you're going to write a book, Jackie, about anything, if you want to be an expert in anything, here's the litmus test. He said, if you've got to wake up every day and talk about it, write about it, think about it, obsess about that topic and never get bored. And if you can do that every day, get up and write and talk and think and obsess about that same topic every day, then you know that's the thing that you're most, you know, you're, you're here to do. That's your yep. purpose. Yep. And that was my lens, Justin. I realized actually the one thing I know I could talk about forever, the thing I could just punch out thousands of words every week about, the thing I could, you know, on the fly speak about, and I've got all this sort of passionate energy is service. Mm. And so that was my real litmus test. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go really narrow on that. And what I've found is this beautiful sweet spot of sticking with what I believe I'm an expert in, but I get all the variety by working with all these amazing different industries and sectors that gives me the variety yeah. and change that I'm seeking, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And can we touch on, because um, I know you're, you're, as you said, a lot of it's around skills that, that benefit yourself, right? It's not just, you know, what you're doing with customers. And I know, you know, you're, you're quite uh, the advocate for, for meditation uh, yeah. as well. How did, you, how did you get into that? Um, well, like most things, when you have um, experiences in life, whether it's breakdowns or meltdowns or moments of anxiety, you, you, you start looking for tools and techniques to support you. And so I mentioned my journey when I was at Wembley, I was in my late 20s and that was already a significant responsibility for a young 20-something year old on the other side of the world with no family, no friends and not really knowing what the hell she's doing there. Um, um. And then to come back to Melbourne at the age of 30 and to be responsible for such a big contract here, um, I really felt the pressure, you know. Mm -hmm. I was working with a lot of anxiety. I was working with a lot of stress. I took myself way too seriously. And um, so that, that was the gift, you know, for me to go looking for ways of helping myself, manage myself. And so I was introduced around that time of my life to yoga and meditation and... Um, became, because I'm a lover of learning, I, I became absolutely obsessed with both of those modalities. Um, and interestingly, I have a fundamental belief that people who serve the best are typically most present. You know, you, you think about when you're with yep. someone who serves you and absolutely. they're with you. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hanging yep. on every word. They're not multitasking. They're, they're, they're absolutely with you in that moment that level of presence and mindfulness i think is um it's incredibly hard to cultivate but it it's simple you know yep, and yep. so but simple can be hard <laughs> <laughs> and so and so how you get to that level of mindfulness and presence one of one of the ways one of the ways of building muscle 
and mental training is, is meditation and, and meditation is simply that. It's the mental training to be mindful. Um, and so for me, this is a massive part of, of what we teach as well is how do we get people in service roles to be self-aware of the dialogue that's going on up here mm. and being really, really aware of how that's leaking out in the way they speak and behave and act and even just their energy, how people experience them. Um, and so, yeah, I believe that people who meditate are better people in service. You know, there's there's a really strong correlation with that. And I've, I think I've written a few blogs about that. <laughs> you have. And uh, and speaking of writing, um, you know, I did touch on it a little bit earlier, but um, yeah. you've already you've already got three three books out and a, and a fourth on the way. And I do believe congratulations are in order for your last book that just picked up a, another award. Yeah. I know two awards. I was like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" But that's an interesting point, Justin, because the the third book, Service Habits, which is a second edition, it's won an award in a leadership category and in a self help category. Yep. And I think yep. that speaks volumes, right? Doesn't like it? yep. it's actually a service book, but here we are winning awards in those two categories. So yeah. Yeah, well, congratulations. How, how did you get, because a lot of people work in customer service, have had careers in customer service, but not everyone's written a book. <laughs> how did the motivation come about for going, you know what, I'm going to write a book? Well, first and foremost, I one of, one of the things, one of the habits I teach is tell the truth. And um, I think that's a big one in, in service. And, and I think if you're going to come out and declare that you're an expert, um, You've got to earn that credibility, not just in experience, but also in um, contributing and putting out to the world through generosity and and through your own lived experiences, you know, which I think gives you the badge or the right to call yourself an expert. So um, here in Australia, and I think in most parts of the world, if you're a published author, it certainly is, um, it still has a lot of um, credibility around that. And I think there's a lot of recognition, the work that goes into being a published author. So I was up for that challenge. And um, my first book was always a bit clunky when you do something the first time. I was like, oh my God, this is costing me tens of thousands of dollars. I'm not writing a book to make money. You know, like I'm clearly writing (laughs) it to to get a message out. But then um, after the second and third book, I've now officially got the bug and in fact, I'm currently musing and, and preparing my fourth book um, to present to my publisher in January. So we, we're starting that whole journey. And, and next year's a year of writing, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, okay, there we go. Look out for the, uh, the bookstores, yeah. and hopefully we should actually sell it on Axper. There's something for us to look at as well. Yeah. We'll get your books out on the Axper uh, platform in the marketplace. So um, speaking of Axper, I guess you know, one of the questions I, I sort of want to put to you, uh, because you are involved in a, in a lot of things, but you know what? What made you say yes to getting involved in, in Axpa? Because we're obviously quite quite new, um, but we're obviously looking about changing a few things, I guess, in the industry, but um, nothing better than hearing it directly from yourself. Yeah, and that's actually a key reason why, which is first and foremost, your vision, Justin, of the purpose of Axpa, but equally your vision and what you're trying to influence in the industry. I was absolutely drawn to that in our very, very first conversation way back when. And I think that, um, the, the industry does need a shake-up and the industry does need um, pioneering. It needs leadership. It needs visionaries like yourself who's prepared to put in the effort and time to not only um, get get people exposed to this but actually give them the tools to enable them to change the way we do things. And so, 
your vision coupled with your hard work in developing this incredible platform business um, is inspiring. And I always seek the company that I hang out with, the people that I spend time with. I want, I want, I'm inspired by the company that I keep. And so that was one of the very first reasons was you. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I think that shared and common belief that we both have that um, this is really important work. And whether you're, you know, sitting there with a headset on like Justin has now, um, you know, making phone calls, receiving phone calls day in, day out, or whether you're behind a counter serving customers face to face or anything in between, um, it's a privilege to serve humans. And uh, it's a, an incredibly important vehicle to the way society is shaped and the, and the way we are shaping society. And I said yes to this advisory role before COVID. And look where we are now. Like yep. there's even more of a reason why we need, you know, platforms like AXPA, networks, communities like AXPA, but also CEOs like yourself, Justin, to help shape the future. And I want to be part of that as well. You know, I, I, I'm um, in my mid 40s. I've got a hell of a lot of life ahead of me and a lot that I want to do in this lifetime and a lot that I want to give. And um I think being part of AXPA is, is another way of allowing me get some reach and some impact and learn, you know, like there's so much that I learn every day when I'm in front of a new audience or in front of a new masterclass or even a one-on-one, -on -one. Um, you know, you know, sure, I'm going to write my fourth book next year. Like that sounds like I'm old hat at it. You're kidding, right? Like it's, it's a massive learning process when you give out to the world and when you serve and when your attention out. And um, like I said earlier on, I've, I, I am the person I am today because of what I've chosen to, to put out and give and, and, who, and, and serve, you know. So my expectation of being here um, on the advisory board of AXPA is that I, I hope to learn a lot um, and probably more about some of the industries that I don't know so much, you know, and, and, and I, by the virtue of being part of this community, and learning more of what people want and, and where the skills gap is and how we can help and serve them. Like, I wanna be there. So that's a that's a big part of my motivation for being here and um, spending time with you and the rest of the advisory board members. Yep, I'm well, certainly thrilled that you're a part of it because uh, as I said, right at the start, you know, your passion for the industry knows no bounds. So um, now before I let you go, I, I think it would be worthy to ask, there's no doubt a lot of people listening here that uh, A, are already inspired by your, your story because you've been very open in, in sharing your learnings along the way. But what advice would you, you give to people that are, I guess, more towards the start of their career, but you know, going, you know what? Yeah, this customer service thing is kind of all right. I don't mind it. Um, how, how do they go? from transitioning from you know it's a job and I'm enjoying it to actually going you know what this is going to be my career this is what I want to do the one there's a lot of things I could say in <laughs> I know right the one, <laughs> the one the one thing I will say is you know um if you choose to serve whatever it is you do and whatever role you are no matter how senior or junior you view yourself and whatever label you've been given in any moment when you're in front of a human being, if you choose to serve, you are going to get so much back from that. You are going to get more answers to your questions. You're going to learn more about yourself. Service can give you an opportunity to stay present and it can help turn down some of the unhelpful 
words and thoughts and stories that you might be telling yourself. Um, you gain more learning understanding about a particular industry or sector. Um, but also when you find out what benefit or what impact you've had on other people, that's like, that's one of the most powerful things that in, in a human life you can receive. You never know what your legacy is, right? You never know what impression you've just left on someone. You don't know what kind of day they've had until they met you or where they're about to go or what they're about to do. We're working a lot at the moment with airports and airlines and, you know, um, tourism environments where they're, they're transient. You don't know the impact that you're having on someone and the impression that that might leave for them. And the thought that you can impact another human being is, um, to me, one of the one of the reasons why we exist. Yep, yep. It's, it's critical to human evolution, right? And, and, and I've been on the receiving end, Jackie. I haven't told you this, but uh, I've been on the receiving end of some of your work because I, I travelled recently and uh, was at Melbourne Airport and I was what, lining up to go through the, the x-ray machines. And, you know, it's, it's not a fun process. Let's be honest, and the queue's often a little bit line, uh, long, no matter which side of the, the, the queue you're on. And um, But there was a couple of people at the front of the queue that were just making everyone laugh and smile. And, you know, you sort of quickly forgot about that delay and, and and so just that little as you said that little bit of um work that they did the skills that they did just had such an impact on everyone standing in that queue and and i went through the scanner and you know i was having a smile on my face and thought wow that's awesome so i know the work that you do is uh is is amazing um for those that view that want to learn more about uh, Jackie's business. I, I encourage you to do so. I'll just pop the uh, email address, oh, sorry, the website address up there, but it's just service uh, Q, so service, uh, S-E-R-V-I-C-E-Q dot co, C-O. So if you want to learn more about what Jackie uh, does with her and her team, please check out the website. Uh, and of course, if you want to learn more about what AXPA does, uh, then make sure you uh, check out our website um, at AXPA, A-C-X-P dot com, uh, A-C-X-P-A dot com dot au. I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, so Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, as I said, you should be incredibly proud, as I'm sure you are, of, of everything that you've achieved. And, and you're not even halfway there, right? So there is so much more to come. And um, so if you haven't uh, said seen some of Jackie's work, there's a few books that you can read as well. There's some other podcasts that you can listen to on, on this CX Matters podcast as well. And of course, you'll hopefully be seeing and hearing a bit more of Jackie uh, throughout the year with all the things that we do through AXPA. So Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your story. Pleasure and wonderful to be with you. And uh, yeah, let's let's look forward to a great year ahead. Thank you. Uh, exactly right. All right. Thanks everyone for listening and bye for now. Mm -hmm.